Audacious Compassion, Episode 1. Go buy a caddy. Toothpaste. Lemonade. Polka dots and stripes. You're a dark night. And I'm the day. We're a wreck and that's alright. Hello and welcome to Audacious Compassion. It's a podcast where we explore how to find compassion in the most difficult places in daily life. I'm Gregory Avery Weir. And I'm Melissa Avery Weir. And today we're going to be talking about long-standing aggravations that you have with people and how to talk about them in a compassionate way. So, how are you doing today? I, uh, doing, doing okay. Work recently has raised some of those. I am in a position where I tend to lead projects in this in this case, and they've, I've been working on this project for about nine months now. And recently, uh, I was in a meeting with my colleagues, and they raised questions that had already been handled months ago. And this has kind of been a habit on this team of maybe people forgetting how what we're building works, or forgetting important decisions and fundamental concepts. But they help make those decisions, and so I'm because I'm in it the most every day. I'm kind of the person saying, "No, no, 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 we're not going to raise this again." Is a thing where they've got a bunch of other stuff they're working on, and so it's not really recent in their mind. Right. This is a, a fairly low priority project, and they have everyone is overworked. Everyone else on the team is very overworked, and that I try to keep that in mind. But I did lose my temper a little bit, and luckily it was on the phone, so no one saw my face. But I definitely had a tone, and really had to kind of kind of bring myself back to reminding myself this is a busy season. Everybody else has a lot of things on their plate, and if I have to keep saying over and over again, "No, this is how this thing works that we are all making," <laughs> that's what they're paying me to do, or that's like that's my role there is to keep is to steer the ship. Is it bike shedding? Is it like... Can you explain bike shedding in more detail? Bike shedding is, is like uh, if you're building a shed in your backyard, arguing about what the color should be and all this stuff, and it doesn't really matter, you just need a box to put a bike in? Ah, uh, yes. There has definitely been some of that along the way. And it's... Everyone on this project is really well selected, which really helps me keep an open mind, because everyone has a very unique perspective that they're bringing to the project. And so I really value that. Um, but that means each one has a part they are most interested in. And so you can end up in a situation where, you know, here's the main objective of this thing we're making, but someone wants to argue about the color, someone wants to argue the shape of the roof, someone wants to argue mm-hmm. how big a bike it can hold. Bicycles only come in a few sizes, right? So, yeah, that's definitely kind of, that's that's definitely been a thing I've been struggling with this week. I feel like... There's a part of me that gets just so annoyed. It has been nine months, and it, it can be really difficult to get anyone on this team to succinctly describe what this thing is, hmm. um, which I, is probably a clue that maybe we're doing it wrong, but it's frustrating to be on the calls, and that's that's just hard to deal with. Um, so I had, to, I had to take a moment and really kind of acknowledge that I had behaved in a way that I don't prefer to behave. <laughs> I don't like to snap at my colleagues. Or display that degree of impatience and just kind of move past it. But no one seemed offended, so, you know. What about you? Um, I've been having kind of a renewed prominence of, I think, something that both of us get bugged by, which is, uh, especially with, with some recent 
events, there have been a lot of people talking about things being crazy or people acting crazy or people being madmen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's political people. It's people who have committed violence. Or it's just like folks talking casually about their friend and saying, oh, they were acting crazy last night. Um, And especially since I've had like flare-ups of my depression lately, like that it's, it's part of our vernacular, right? Like that's not going to change. I, some people that I've talked to about it, I think would adjust the way they talk or, or would upon reflection kind of share my view of like, that's not a word to use to talk about most stuff. Um, but it's not something that like, I'm not going to go on Twitter and be like, reply to every time someone uses crazy incorrectly. Yeah. How I think is, is incorrectly. And I think people have a certain idea of what normal or reasonable behavior is. Mm-hmm. And kind of, it's natural for us to want to classify unusual behavior as having some cause. And I think that's, right. people are like, it's crazy. And, and they don't mean it. They don't mean literally crazy. That's, that's always been, you know, when I, I, Something, this came up a few months ago, as I actually talked to a friend about it who uses the term a lot. And I said, like, can you tell me what you actually mean? Like, what is, what behavior are you actually describing? Is it ridiculous? Is it unhealthy? What is it? Because there's a far more descriptive word that's really sitting underneath the word crazy. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like how folks often have trouble defining the details of their emotions like they'll say happy or sad instead of Mm -hmm. of like overjoyed or or exactly um and when i when i asked her to kind of elaborate on that like she got pretty annoyed with me we kind of talked a bit about the flaws of the word and she was like well you get to deal with me saying crazy all the time because that's the word i use and i'm like oh okay well so be it which was disappointing to me this person is usually someone i can talk to about this kind of thing and usually come to a better consensus than that but yeah it's a that's a long-standing like every day especially being on twitter every day someone is calling something or someone crazy so for now i guess i'm sitting with that and accepting that it annoys me and not really trying to cause change in that yeah um we've got a conundrum from a friend that is a little closer to home but but relates to that topic and it it has to do with kind of minor domestic annoyances you and i have lived together (laughs) and don't anymore uh for many reasons but in part just because of the fact that it's a lot easier to not have to worry about someone else doing stuff in your space a different way than you want to exactly but uh not everyone's that lucky Right. Or makes that choice. I mean, right. we yes. did have to choose not to live together. Sure. So I think we've got two different examples of what the annoyances are. Yeah. Uh, one of them is something that, that I definitely empathize with personally. It's leaving cups places. Um, for me, it's especially like half full cups or a quarter full cups. Like... For some reason, it's like it's like the movie Signs. The daughter leaves glasses of water places. Oh, that um, was the vibrating thing in the trailer, right? Like, yeah, you could you could sense the the footsteps from the from the ripples in the water. It's just I don't know. Just 
I'm not particularly worried. I mean, you know, by the way, I keep my kitchen. I'm not particularly worried by like dishes being out. Nope. Um, but for some reason, just I, I think it's that having cups out on surfaces with liquid in them, where if you bump them, they could get knocked onto the floor. I think that's the source of my hmm. anxiety there. Yeah. But it's something that bugs me so much. <laughs> do you do it to yourself? No. no okay. No, I, I always either drain a cup or, or put it someplace. Having cats will break you of that habit pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, that one, I I empathize with that. It doesn't happen to be a, a particular trigger or activator for me, but I, I understand that one. And the second example we were given is if you have a bathroom with two sinks, as is common in, in master bathrooms, in certain kinds of homes, having one person's mess encroach upon the other person's sink. That sort of odd couple thing where you want to just put a masking tape line down the center of the bathroom. Exactly. And that if every morning and evening you were shoving aside someone's hair gel just a couple of inches over, just outside of elbow reach, I totally get that. I totally and eventually that. you just want to like take a circular saw and just cut off all the parts of anything that's sticking over the line right or uh just start throwing things away that that is actually um i have lived in a home where the conflict resolution on that was to literally throw away anything that was overbounds that seems like a disproportionate response yes uh it was it's quite unfortunate to suddenly not have my body wash or yeah, whatever an escalation and bathrooms tend to have important stuff in them right like yeah that, yeah. So if so if you don't want to just accept that these annoyances are part of living with someone, after the fourth year or sixth year <laughs> that this has been going on or the 15th. and that you've been seething. Yep. How do you then be like how do you bring it up and and communicate how so very annoying it is? Right. Even though it's a minor thing. Yeah, and there can there can be all sorts of. I think I'd have to ask why you didn't bring it up originally. Like, sure, yeah, I mean, but a lot of interpersonal stuff is like if you brought it up in the first place, it wouldn't be a problem. Well, maybe maybe it would have been. Maybe you were concerned it would have been. Like, it's a minor thing, so you might be concerned that it would have been dismissed. Mm. Or or it, because you're new to the situation, yeah. you bring it up then. It's like, oh, are they going to be nitpicking every little thing now? Right now we're married. Now we're going to be stuck with each other. So I think it's important to really kind of. To ask yourself, why not? Because those are valid. Like, if, if there's some fear you have, you need to kind of take a look and see if that's legit, if that's something you want to or can mitigate. Um, if it's a realistic fear, you know, sometimes we just get afraid of things that aren't, that if we look at them, we know they aren't going to actually happen. And I think that's, I think that's a useful process to go through to understand yourself, but it doesn't get the body wash off my side of the Fair sink. enough. Correct. But I, I think that should happen before you open. Because if you... If so you, you at least kind of know where you're coming from? And so that you don't open the discussion by going, I know this is super minor, right. but uh, if you could just give me some time, maybe we could, you know, it's okay. Like, you don't, that's not, you know. And you can, you, if you understand, if you have that resolve within yourself, you can really kind of open that discussion a lot more forthright and without all the hedging. But, I mean, ultimately you got to bring it to the table. To what do you, like... Or a few cocktails, and once folks are a little tipsy, be like, "Is there anything that annoys you?" Because nah. let me tell you what annoys me. <laughs> no drunk conversations. I don't like those. Uh, those go badly um, for me, at least. I think it's use the, the. I don't know how to say this in a way that doesn't sound like hand slapping, but it's useful to catch someone in the act. 
uh, because that is probably an absent thing that's happening without them noticing. So if you're like, ah, ah, hold on, right now you're putting your body wash over the line, over over the line. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's step two, though, right? Like you don't want to like, but like, can we talk about that later? You know? Yeah, I, I mean, I suppose I suppose if folks there's there's a certain class of things that like someone knows annoys you, right? There there might be something you've commented on over time. Yeah, and that can still fall in this range of we haven't really talked about it, but I've mentioned it. I feel like they should know that this is a big deal and they don't seem to be recognized. And it might that. come across as nagging when it's really just like this is a pet peeve. Because there's, right. there's a difference between like, I'm trying to think of a minor example. Some people might not be bothered by shoe placement as long as yeah. they're not like in the hallway. Right. But so just saying, hey, put your shoes back on the rack. Like you don't re- really care hugely whether they're out of the way on the floor or on the shoe rack. Right. As opposed to, you know, damn half-full cups of water sitting every place, which is actually something that that is bringing up more annoyance. (laughs) I don't know. So I guess the first thing is to make sure that they know it bugs you. Yeah, to to communicate very clearly that this is not a... you, You are asking them not to shrug it off. You're asking, even though this thing might seem like a minor annoyance to the other person, that, no, this is serious. Please give this some attention. And you're going to make a request at the end, right? You're not going to demand that they, you're not going to start punishing them if they don't keep their body wash on the other side of the tub. But you you are going to make a clear request at the end, and you're you're setting up an environment in which they take that seriously. I guess there's a, opening that conversation, there's an important trick from nonviolent communication that, that communication method which is you should talk about observable events right don't say you're always leaving cups out you can say maybe it seems like every night you leave a cup out right and i don't think you want to come with like a clipboard and specific instances like i don't think you want to have a histogram again i have lived in a household where that was the case not a very good conflict resolution it's sort of passive aggressive right it's and then yeah or just aggressive sort of bringing ammunition to the conversation which you're not coming in to have a meeting of minds you're coming in to win right trying to lawyer a conversation about much of any kind of interpersonal conflict doesn't seem to go well yeah and the more the more trivial the situation seems to the other person, the more hostile they're going to be in response to that. Right. And I think it's, we've been talking about this kind of a little bit one-sided, sort of from the person being upset by the action. Mm. But it's, I think it is useful, I think it is, or valuable, to understand why the other person is doing this thing. Like, it may be, I mean, this might be me stepping off into la-la land here, but like, and I would say ask, don't guess. It could, we're kind of assuming they just don't realize. Right? Yeah. And or or just don't register it as a thing. Exactly. But finding out what that is, not assuming, maybe they have a different concept of shared space than you do. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they're catching gnats with the water that they're leaving out in cups. Breeding gnats with the water <laughs> they're leaving out in cups. Um, but I, I do think that conversation needs to be a two-way street of hearing each other before sort of i mean if you come if you're coming to the conversation saying i want you to stop doing this thing then you've you've brought a preconceived notion of what the solution is and what the solution should be and if it's not that then you're going to be disappointed Mm -hmm. but what what is the solution to which problem like in the end how do we how do we get your body wash off my side of the sink so are, are you actually asking 
sort of like concrete strategies. Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously not coming in with one of these, but right. like there have to only be a few different ways you can do this. Um, so if the let's say the issue is that the person does not feel they have enough space. And so they are taking up more than half because they don't have space. Then perhaps the solution is an additional container that sits underneath their cabinet. Mm. Um, or a caddy. Or they get the medicine cabinet for additional stuff. And you find another solution. You know, That reminds um, me of the, the KonMari method of space yeah. organization. Where it's like everything has a place where it goes. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of its home. And when there is a place that's actually genuinely comfortable for an object that feels appropriate, you're of course going to want to put it there instead of in my damn space. Exactly. Um, so kind of working through what that looks like. And I don't, having both lived with someone with whom I had that conflict, there's conflicts like that with, or organizational conflicts, um, and having internal organizational conflicts. Mm. One thing I've started doing in the last couple of years has been like, just look where I drop things. And you know, small instances that I used to, I used to have my shoe rack in my closet, in my bedroom closet, because that's where clothes are and that's where shoes go. But there would be a massive pile of tin pairs of shoes at my front door. Why is my shoe rack in my bedroom if my shoes are actually in the front room? So now I have a shoe tree that sits near the door. And as soon as I get home, I kick my shoes off and put it on there. Like, look at where things are going and try to work around, you know, work with where stuff is landing. The whole thing of like, instead of trying to get people to stop walking on the grass in a certain path just pave that path exactly yep and i mean in the case of a double sink i mean it could be something like the light is better over here so i prefer to apply my makeup here okay let's switch sinks Mm -hmm. like you know it could be something as broad as that but the timing so i i attended a talk recently that talked about personality types and there one of the things that came up is that there are people who like to present an idea for conversation, let it sit, let everybody think about it, and come back to it later. Mm. And they're the kind of people who will say, hey, when you get home, I'd like to talk to you about something. And then there's the other kind of person who wants to immediately talk about something. Yeah, and to, to whom, when you get home, <laughs> let's talk about this thing, means that the rest of their day is shot. Right. You're... Because they'll be like, oh no, what's going on? <laughs> Not gonna get Are any we breaking up? Exactly. And I think that factors in heavily to long-standing aggravations. Because if you say... Let's talk about a thing. And the other person is the kind of person who wants to talk about it immediately. They're going to be so angry when they find out it is about sinks. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so the concrete of how to actually bring it up depends heavily on the personalities of the two people involved. Yeah. And that's that's going to be tricky. Just it seems like that conversation has to be with a light tone. Like it's I mean, it should definitely, you know, everyone should come interested in empathizing, interested in kind of talking about it rather than coming up with a solution. But you also kind of need to have it in a context where you recognize that even though this is totally an annoyance, it's also just like sink clutter. Yeah. Like it's on the grand scheme of things. Right. This is this is A, a solvable problem. Yes. And B, not as big of a deal as many of the things that you're going to run into with a domestic partner. Right. Yeah. Um, and the the idea of it being solvable, I think, is important. Like there there are things in relationships you cannot resolve or you cannot mm. fix. Sinks, cups of water, uh, the heating, cooling. These are things you can resolve in one fashion or another. Mm. Maybe you know if, if you can't keep the temperature right, one of you gets lots of house shoes and pajamas every year as, as gifts, and the other person gets to run around. It's one oh, of those, natural. One of those baseball caps with a fan in the brim. <laughs> 
and if the problem is something like their stuff always ends up on my side the solution might end up being there's a caddy where they put their body wash that is on my side Ah. but is a place that we recognize is okay right yep so it stops being clutter and starts just being oh that's where they keep it exactly yeah good job i think we handled that (laughs) hopefully hopefully that's helpful so what have you been inspired by lately in terms of audacious compassion so something that came to mind when i was thinking about this this sort of long-standing assumptions about relating to people i've been playing uh beat a game called 8160 the moon uh That's which strange. yeah okay so 8160 8, 8, is the number of seconds it took them to make the prototype or minutes maybe it took them to make the prototype Ooh. it's a game it's a platformer it's one of those like it's a platformer with the twist games not like a puzzle platformer okay but it's a game where you're um you are the moon like oh. the literal moon and you're like hopping around and trying to get to a goal while avoiding obstacles and spikes and stuff and the stage wraps from top to bottom oh weird. and and your jumping height is higher than the height of the screen so every time you jump you're basically wrapping around from the bottom and ending up maybe a little higher than you were before so a lot of it is about kind of managing speed at which you're falling and making sure that you're able to catch yourself seems like a portal type situation where you can set up systems where you're just kind of falling through increasingly fast yeah and usually that's a sign that you've screwed up and (laughs) and uh should have judged that jump better (laughs) but the 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 reason i thought of it is that there's this storyline that's occurring and it's it's one of those kind of weird storylines that tends to happen in indie games, especially those that started out of a jam, where it's sort of like a stream of consciousness allegory. <laughs> it's not entirely held together. Um, the 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 creators do not speak English as their as their first language, um, and in fact, the games in English is sort of a political protest to South Korea's game rating laws. Oh, where I think if you publish a game in Korea, you must get it rated. And the ratings are weird. Anyway, the story is that the sun has gone missing, uh, and it's dark, and so the people of Earth ask the moon to go and find the sun. Okay. And it doesn't really make sense at all on a literal level, because, like, the moon still glows, but it's kind of talking about, like, if I don't find the sun, I'll stop glowing. (laughs) And, you know, it ends up being that the moon didn't realize that he needed to set in order for the sun to rise but anyway there's a few exchanges so the 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 moon talks to the earth and and the earth is like yeah you got to help the humans are cutting uh cutting down all my trees in order to stay warm and the moon's like why do you let them do that and the earth is like well they need it moon's like why is that your problem and the earth is like i i never thought of it that way (laughs) uh and then later the uh maybe mercury maybe venus venus asks the moon why are you going looking for the sun why the humans asked me to it's like well why why are you doing that yeah and that sort of weird the assumption that we need to help people or that that we need to be the ones to help people is an interesting interesting thing ties into codependence and anticipating people's needs and stuff like 
it made me think about how we evaluate whether relationships are worth it. Like, yeah. is is our is our relationship with the earth worth it to the earth? I mean, the yeah. earth is getting the short end of the stick there. It's a giving tree sort of thing mm-hmm. where I, I was never sure if that book... <laughs> is the giving tree supposed to be touching? Or are we supposed to really hate the kid by the end? I do not know either. That is a... I think it depends on where you are in life. Heavily on where you are in life. Because... I think the giving tree should set a few boundaries. I think that's so all too. I'm saying, and for sure. <laughs> and maybe, maybe the the Earth and the Moon should set some boundaries mm-hmm. with, with human beings. <laughs> what about you? What have What have you been inspired by lately? Um, I just finished uh, N.K. Jemisin's uh, Hundred Thousand Kingdoms, which is the first in a trilogy, uh, so, and that's a. It's a strange book, strange society. Um, this, this is the one we started in audiobook form on a car ride, right, and quickly turned off because it was just listing begats, essentially, yeah, yeah. family names and in countries. Um, and it 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 opens up it opens up very quickly after that. We could have if we'd listened five more minutes, we'd have been fine. Um, this society has a it's a very broken oligarchy, and they have this idea of maintaining order in a very lazy way. I don't know. I'll judge it as lazy. And there's a conflict that arises where um, apparently countries or lands are not allowed to use weapons. They're not allowed to, to to fight unless they have been told by the council that they can fight. And so one country goes and invades another country. The defending country decides that in order to be lawful and be correct, they're not going to defend themselves with weapons. So they stand there and they get overtaken. So the defending country goes to the council and says, hey, like, this person just, like, committed a violent act against my people by taking over. Um, You should undo that because we couldn't defend ourselves, and that's not fair. And the council ultimately says, well, they did not cause a disruption, or the disruption is over, the, the conquering has happened, and it would cause more disruption to change it, to force them to leave. So no, you're conquered, that's fine. And it was one of those, it reminds me of exactly this kind of conflict. Like, you can spend years just pushing the body wash back over on the other side and saying, like, no harm was done, it's been fixed. Or, like, finding that, that le- the path of least effort in a lot of these conflicts. But whatever it is is going to come to a head. Um, I highly recommend reading yeah, <laughs> 100,000 Kingdoms. I guess it's better to, to come to an agreement about the body wash rather than suddenly get into a screaming match about the body wash where maybe all the other things that have been bugging you also come spilling out in a exactly not particularly compassionate way and by having having that sort of rigid like don't raise arms against each other is it doesn't actually solve the underlying problem right mm-hmm. like they're they're addressing a method not not don't fight or don't take over things from each other. Mm-hmm. And so you end up with this kind of rules lawyering society, which also definitely happens in domestic situations of, you know, I, I did what you said. Yeah, we had this agreement. <laughs> we had I this... followed the agreement. What's the problem? Yep. So that, that story, I mean, that was a fairly minor point. That, that whole book has got all sorts of stuff going on in it, especially dealing with agreements and, and things being trapped by them. But yeah, that definitely came to mind with this this sort of oh, this is where this is what this looks like on a societal level. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend it. I'm 
looking forward to reading the second book. Cool. So, what are our final thoughts about all this? Buy a damn caddy for your stuff. <laughs> oh, wait, no. <laughs> Go visit visit the <laughs> container store. I would say, think about why you haven't brought the stuff up, and then do it anyway. Like, bring the stuff bring up? Bring the stuff up. Like... Handle the handle your nervousness or whatever has kept you silent. Yeah, chances are, if you've gotten to the point of why haven't I brought this up, the answer probably isn't for very good reason, and I shouldn't bring it up. Right. So that's one thing we've learned. Um, if I were to look at this whole thing, I would say be patient with yourself, be compassionate with yourself, like I had to at work <laughs> with my colleagues, and be forthright. Like stand up, do it, say something. Yeah, I think. I think it's important to recognize that while this is a solvable problem, it's probably not something that's going to get solved right away. Like, if this is something you've been chewing on (laughs) grumpily for years, it's probably not going to get resolved in one conversation. It's probably going to be an initial conversation of, hey, this really bugs me. No, seriously, it, it totally does. And... Then maybe move on to the making them aware of the situation and then have two or three more conversations where you figure out little strategies that'll that'll take care of parts of it. And I think the other thing is you don't need to justify your pet peeves. Yeah. You should understand where they're coming from. Sure. But when you're having this conversation... What matters is, this really bugs me. You don't need to not have that, a good yeah. reason for why it bugs you. Now like, that your parents did this thing. Right, and, and it, does, it does no good to say, oh, well, it shouldn't bug you. Well, sure. <laughs> It'd be great if things didn't bug me, but they do. Like, that's not a thing that you... You, you might be able to get over that, but... It's okay to request a strategy, a, a change of behavior in the interim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Learning to deal with it isn't a solution, it's a coping mechanism. Right. Yeah, agreed. All right, so thank you for talking with me. Thank you for talking with me. And thanks for listening to Audacious Compassion. Uh, If you have a question or a situation that you want us to talk about, you can email it to us at averyweir.net, A-V-E-R-Y-W-E-I-R.net. I'm Gregory Avery Weir. I'm Gregory Weir on Twitter, and my website is ludusnovus.net. And I'm Melissa Avery Weir. Um, I am at Avery MD, and my website is urson.net. And together we are Futureproof Games at futureproofgames.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Our theme song is Invisible Light by Josh Woodward, available under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license.